This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just heard from Brandon Cristal, talked all things Final Four. Well, we talked half of the bracket. We talked Kansas and we talked Villanova. Tomorrow when Brandon joins the show, we will be talking all things Duke, North Carolina. Coming up at 3.30, we'll dip back into the NFL draft. Joe DeLeon will join the show from the Believe Podcast Network, NFL Draft Prospects is the name. You can check that out. We'll talk all things draft with him at 3.30. Still got cover three NFL news and notes on the, on the way, but before we get to that, I did want to go out to the 408, go out to San Jose and talk to our guy, Big Jose in San Jose. What's on your mind, my man? What's going on, brother? How you guys doing today? Hey, man, we're blessed. Right on, right on. Hey, before we get started, I want to give a big shout-out today to a uh, man who changed the world from here in San Jose today. It's Cesar Chavez Day. Uh, sure you be having spent some time in Fresno can appreciate that. Yes, sir. And little known fact, people don't know that San Jose has been the forefront of civil rights. We gave you John Carlos and Tommy Smith yep. and Cesar Chavez. So just I want to shout out, you know, for those that have gotten a voice and whose lives you made much better, first and foremost, right? Nice. Salute. Yes, salute. And, and so I think this year, I think worst case scenario, in our division we go three and three, you know, Okay. And that, you know, the, nobody really outside our schedule really scares me, not that great American gang. And I think, you know, <laughs> one of the games that might be tough might be the Rams game. But other than that, I, you know, I see us going like um, like 14 and 4 or 13 and 5, you know? 17 games, brother, 17 and, games. Yeah, oh, 17 games. You're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, my, my bad, my bad, my Are bad. You trying, you trying to put them in the playoffs already. <laughs> I am, I am. I'm, try, hey, I'm, try, I'm trying to say the P word and the C word, you know what I'm saying? I heard, I know that's right. <laughs> but that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, so, like, if we go worst case, if we go best case scenario, I think we go 4-2 and two in our division. I think we sweep, like, to be honest, I think we sweep the Ponies again or we sweep the Chiefs. Because uh, if you look Ooh. at the history that McDaniels has against the Chiefs, they put up points. I think they've scored, like, over 65 points combined in the last five meetings. Nice. The Chiefs in the past. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we're at least, you know, 13, you know, 12, 13 game at the minimum. So, you know, hit that eight and a half for sure. Nice. And that's what I got, brother. Nice. Love. Peace out, bro. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, man. It's always good to hear from you. Stay safe out there and in the 408. And, uh, yeah, man, Cesar Chavez, that was cool. little shout-out right there. There's many schools across the country named after Cesar Chavez, right? I think my son, uh, Little Q, went to one in Fresno at one point. But I remember going to that park there in San Jose. I think it's Cesar Chavez Park. I think that's still a park. Uh, yeah, I went there a couple times while I was working for Wild 94.9. That was one of our hangouts when I don't know what festival it was, but it was something that was going on there, and we hung out there. So, yeah, man, hey, thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Now let's go ahead and jump into Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. It's time for Q's Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now I started off the show talking about uh, a signing 
uh, Bobby Wagner ends up in L.A. with the Rams. He was deciding between the Rams and the Baltimore Ravens and ultimately decided he wanted to stay on the West Coast. He wanted to stay in the NFC West and wanted to go up against his former team, the Seattle Seahawks, twice a year. So he signs a five-year, $50 million deal worth up to $65 million with the Rams. And look, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's it looks great on paper. And Demon, you said it before as well. Uh, that those numbers that we're looking at, those are agent inflated numbers. Those are our agent did great by us type numbers. We'll see what the real numbers are. I'm projecting, and this is just my gut feeling. It's realistically probably a two year deal. I don't see Bobby Wagner getting a five year deal that's going to be worth all that money. I just I just don't see that. But Again, that's just me. When the, when the official numbers come out, then we'll see. But who cares about the money? The fact that the Rams got Bobby Wagner, I think that's a big come up. Oh, yeah, it's a big come up. It's another piece to this defense. The Rams get richer, and I just don't understand how. A lot of times people, I think you refer to it as well, the salary cap, it's like a credit card, and <laughs> right. eventually you got to pay the bill. Well, who's going to pay this bill? How do credit cards work? When you die, who does it go to? Because it seems like they're going right. to do this for another 10, 20 years if we let them, if the league just lets them keep building this talent, and I don't know how they keep getting away with it. Right. I, I look. I don't either. I'm not the guys in their in their front office that's working the magic. But I'll tell you what. Whoever those guys are, they better get some good Christmas gifts from the Rams because they are making the magic happen. Right. They are doing the damn thing, and I'm not mad. Hey, if that's how they want to uh, to be and uh, be very aggressive and continue to build that roster, and again, they're building everything they do is for now, 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 now. It's not for later. It's for right now. So uh, the addition of Bobby Wagner, you know, I think honestly, I know that Von Miller ended up in Buffalo and he got a nice, uh, a nice chunk of change. I think that the addition of Bobby Wagner may be more impactful in the long run for the Rams than even Von Miller would have been. So I mean, again, that's just me, but I think that's a really good signing for the LA Rams. All right, Q, I want to throw something to cover three. I got something that we haven't talked about all week. Okay. Taysom Hill. <laughs> you, man, you love to get on Taysom Hill's all helmet, right. man. I'm just, you know. The you grip, love to get on his helmet. Then is over. Sean, I know where you're going. Sean Payton wasn't there anymore to protect him, to pretend like he's a quarterback. I've been thinking about this all week. The jig is up, buddy. Get out of here, buster. I, oh, man. Pretending to be a quarterback for so long. I don't know why it grinds my gear so bad. It but, does. You know, it gets you, man. It gets you. seeing somebody get over on people. What DeMond is talking about is at the owner's meeting, new head coach for the Saints, Dennis Allen, was asked about Taysom Hill. And Dennis Allen basically said, I think he's going to concentrate on tight end. <laughs> so he's not a quarterback. We all knew he wasn't a quarterback. Sean Payton, for some reason, similar to John Gruden, loving him some Nate Peterman, loved him some Taysom Hill. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the infatuation with Taysom Hill was. Anyone that has eyes could see, and anyone who didn't have eyes could see. My guy, <laughs> Blind Rage Raider, uh, in, in the 209, he, could, he was like, oh, Taysom Hill stinks. You know, he's just not a quarterback. He's a good gadget guy. If he was a quarterback, he wouldn't have been on special teams. I mean, you know, what, what, what team is going to put their quarterback out on special teams? The Saints put him out there. So you knew he wasn't uh, a, a real quarterback, but for some reason Sean Payton uh, insisted on having him there, and so now Dennis Allen has come to his senses and says that Taysom Hill will, be, uh, uh, will, will concentrate on the tight end position, which is a better role for him. It really is. So there All you right, go. moving on. Just had to, you know, get that I know. Out you had to get that off your chest. I'm, I'm glad you did that, though. Uh, how about this? This news broke last night, and by now everyone's heard about it, but Bruce Arians will not be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022. He, in fact, is going to the front office, and now Todd Bowles 
is going to be the big man on the on the sideline. He's the head coach. He's got a five-year deal to be that head coach. And I'll tell you, none of this really surprised me except for the fact that Todd Bowles got the job. Not because Todd Bowles doesn't deserve it, but I thought that everyone was grooming and praising Byron Leftwich. So I thought, okay, once, once uh, Arians is on his way out, then Leftwich will be the guy. And that's why I was kind of surprised when, when Leftwich was talking with Jaguars because I was thinking, man, do you want to – Go to Jacksonville, or do you want to stick around there until it's your time to shine? Well, maybe he knew, or obviously he knew, that Todd Bowles would be the next guy up because he was pursuing that job in Jacksonville that somehow Jacksonville found a way to screw it up, which, you know, that's just Jacksonville, and they do what they do, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so Todd Bowles takes over. I actually sat at the house today and watched the presser earlier, watched the presser for Bruce Arians. He looks very comfortable, very happy to go to the front office, and he said it was time. There's a lot of rumors and reports that, oh, Tom Brady, you know, he's the one who forced them out. I'm not buying that. I, I think, don't know. Hey, look, dog, B.A. Is, is, is a tougher dude than that, man. He, I don't think B.A. is going to let one dude, uh, you know, kind of control what he does. But then again, B.A. said that Antonio Brown wasn't going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and that if he met, went there and messed up, he was going to be gone and he stuck around. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I don't this know. is Tom Brady's plan all along, the fake retirement. Maybe. He's like, then he goes back to the Glazers. He's like, hey, I'll come back if uh, – if Bruce isn't the coach anymore, and they're like, Tom, anything for you. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But also, you mentioned Byron Leftwich. You thought he was the guy in grooming, the coach in waiting there. But this is why Bruce Arians, I'm going to give him the title right now, ally of the year. Because we know that <laughs> Byron Leftwich is going to get another – he's going to get a shot somewhere. He hasn't been a head coach yet. So we, I still think that his star is shining. But – I agree. Todd Bowles, you know, had that run with the Jets, 24 and 40, doesn't look so good. But now Bruce Arians is like, hey, hey, brother, I got you. I'll oh, set yeah. you up for the best possible situation. You got Brady. This team was a player playing some defense away from knocking off the Rams. So, hey, Ty, I'm going to set you up because we know Byron, he's going to be good. But we got you set up, and that's why he's the ally of the week. Other well, year? I'll say this: I, I don't know, I don't know if your your plan that you just rolled out is exactly how it went down. But I'll say this about Bruce Arians: uh, we all talk about the the diversity issue in the NFL and coaching and all that. But if you look at that man's staff and you look at about all the people he's employed, from African Americans to women to all kind of minorities, that's something that Bruce Arians has done and has been very, as a matter of fact, of. Not only that, the other thing that I really respect Bruce Arians about, and this is something that I wish somebody in my business had told me years ago uh, because I've totally failed in this area, he has also, as a coach, said, hey, if any of you coaches miss your kid's recital or their soccer game or their baseball game or you know miss some family time that you shouldn't be missing, then you're in trouble. And I don't remember what the extent of the, the penalty was, but it was something pretty massive. So what I'm saying is it was very important for him to make sure that his coaches work really hard and get the job done, but don't obsess with the job to the point where you miss out on your kids' lives. And that's the one thing I could always say that I did uh, and I failed at is the fact that I've always been so, as a matter of fact, with my job that there's so many things that I'll never be able to go back and say, hey, that was fun to see. Or remember, hey, when, remember when Little Q did this or so-and-so did this? I'll never be able to say that because I didn't get to see it because I was too busy grinding, working, got to go to work, got to do this. And that's the unfortunate. There's always like a give and a take, and people like myself that are obsessed with what we do, we miss a lot. And so I, I respect Bruce Arians for being able to say, hey, you're not on my watch going to miss your kids this or your kids that. That, I believe, is something to really, really respect. So Bruce Arians re retires from the sidelines, moves into the front office with some kind of some kind of cush job where he man, he basically says he's still a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yeah, air quotes. You know, some kind of 
uh, you know, some kind of cool position. A but, paycheck. Yeah, hey, whatever. I ain't mad. He's earned it. You know, he's going to go into the ring of honor. They already announced that. They're going to put him in the ring of honor uh, for helping them bring, bring home a, a Super Bowl championship. So I think that that is really cool. So that's one retirement. Now I want to close out cover three with another retirement, and this one is much closer to me than Bruce Arians or anybody else, and that is the great John McClain. John McClain, who joins us on the show every single Tuesday at 3 o'clock, he put out a piece today on the Houston Chronicle announcing his retirement. And just a little bit of it, he said, I always knew. Someday I'd be writing a column on my retirement from the Chronicle. That day is finally here. I'm three months into my 47th year at the Cron. Thursday's my last day. Counting almost four years working at the Waco Tribune Herald while attending Baylor, this is my 51st year as a sports writer. A good time to power down the laptop on a full-time basis. I'm using this space today to thank many people who've helped me through the decades and to apologize to all those I left out because there just isn't enough space. I appreciate all of you, especially the readers, listeners, friends, and Twitter followers who've been so loyal through the years. And it goes on and on and on and on. John McClain is the dude. And I don't think, and who knows how things work, I don't think I'm here today without John McClain. I, I can honestly tell you that he was very good friends with my program director that I worked with at Waco at ESPN Central Texas, David Smoke, who's been on the show as well. He was very good friends with him. And so he became friends with me by default just because I was around I was always working. And he told me probably maybe two months into knowing me, and he was just doing weekly hits like he does with us, but he just kind of got to know me through the radio and talking and all this. And finally he saw me at Radio Row one day at the Super Bowl and talked to me in person. And it was really great conversation. We just sat down. Matter of fact, my mom said it was in Arizona. Matter of fact, in Arizona we sat down. John sat down and had a dinner with me, my mom, uh, my guy Paul Catalina, and, and it was John, and just talked and everything was really cool. And he told me, he said, Q, you need to do everything in your power to get out of here. Not that this is a bad place, but you're better than this place. You're better and someone else can use you in a bigger way than this right here. These guys, let them have this. You have bigger things in mind. And I'll promise you, he, to this day, always called and said, hey, how's things going? Have you talked to this person? Oh, hey, by the way, this guy wants to talk to you. I passed your number on to this guy. He went out of his way, and I'm not the only person that can give this testimony about who John McClain is. He looked out for everybody that he respected, anyone who he realized had a really strong work ethic, anybody who realized that could possibly be good somewhere, he would always give them, help them out, and he knows everybody. So for someone like that to endorse you and have your back is, is awesome. And it, it's so funny. He introduced me to a program director in Houston. He called me and said, hey, uh, this guy wants to meet you. He was asking about really talented people, so I gave him your name. So he wants to meet you. And this was at a bowl game. This was Baylor was playing in Houston at the Texas Bowl. And so I said, okay, well, I'll be at the Texas Bowl. He said, okay, he'll be there too. So he introduced me to the guy. Me and the guy sat down for a good 45 minutes, talked about plans. I was going to start doing radio shows on the weekend there in Houston. I got all excited. The very next day, I swear to you, the guy got fired. Promise you. So I thought, oh, damn. And John called me and said, my bad. You know, like he didn't know. He was like, my bad. But, but it was good looking Sounds out. like he didn't know either. He didn't know. He yeah, obviously. You know? Right, exactly. So then I thought, okay, well, whatever. So then the new guy that was in Houston, Armin Williams, he, I'm out in, I'm in Houston one day for the Raiders and Texans uh, playoff game. And was it Raider Texans playoff? It wasn't, might be it wasn't the playoff game, but it was a Raider Texans game. And he sees me out in the parking lot and says, Q, what's up? Starts talking to me. And Armin knows Kyle. Kyle used to be the program director here in Las Vegas at Lotus Broadcasting, Raider Nation Radio 920. So Armin makes the contact to Kyle with me, so me and Kyle get in good. So anyway, long story short, 
That's how I become good with everyone here in Las Vegas as a guy sitting in Central Texas is because John McClain made the introduction to Armin. Armin introduced me to Kyle. Kyle, and, You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one big circle, but it was all because John's always looked out for me. And so when he called me the other day and said, hey, I'm going to retire, but I still would be honored if I can do your show. Now, I understand if you don't want me to do your show because I'm not with the Houston Chronicle, but I would still love to do your show. And before he finished with show, I was like, hell yeah, I want you to do the show. Are you kidding me? So John McClain will still be on our show every Tuesday at 3 p.m. That's not going to change. He just won't be with the Houston Chronicle anymore. He's got some other things he's working on that he'll tell us about later, but that's kind of what his tease was if you were listening on Tuesday and he said, I got something to write, and I've never written it before, but I'll tell you all about it next week. That's what he was hinting at was the fact that he was retiring. So. The general's been doing it for 51 years, 47 at the Chronicle. I salute him. I appreciate him. It's, 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 it means a lot to me to call him my friend, not just somebody that, oh, I can get on the radio every once in a while, but my friend. He, oh, and by the way, the other note is and we'll take a break. He doesn't ask for money. You know how many people, and DeMond knows this, as DeMond's a guy who books guests all the time. There are certain people that are like, well, I'll do it, but you've got to pay me like $500 a week or $250 a week or $700 a week. He's never once asked me for a dime to do my show and he's done my show weekly for mm, almost 10 years <laughs> you know what I mean since like 2012 he's done my show weekly once a week sometimes twice a week and has never once asked for a dime he says hey man I just love doing it and I love the fact that I can uh, promote my whatever I got coming out it's good for me it's good for the chronicle and I enjoy talking to my friends and that's that was his legit reason for wanting to do it and this dude is super busy but just doesn't mind spending, you know, 15, 20 minutes with us. So much appreciation to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, who today officially retired from the Houston Chronicle. 318 is the time. We'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword RNR. What are your realistic expectations as far as win total goes for the Raiders in 2022? Caesars Sportsbook has them at 8.5 wins. They had them at 6.5 last year, and they got 10. So 8.5 this year, what do you think, realistically, the win total should be for the silver and black? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3.30, talk all things NFL Draft. Joe DeLeon from the Believe Network, host of the FCS Football and NFL Draft Prospects podcast, will join the show. Does a fantastic job with that. Break down some NFL Draft that we might have missed earlier in the show. But, uh, yeah, man, the show's been flying by fast and furious. Got a lot of feedback by way of the phone lines and also the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Question that I threw out there to you. Realistic expectations for the Raiders as far as win totals go in 2022. And I know it's way too early. It's not even April yet. I mean, it's April tomorrow, but it's almost April. Vegas has the Raiders at 8.5 wins. Last season, they had them at 6.5 wins. What are your realistic expectations? What do you think that they're going to do? Had a lot of folks already say, hit the over, hit the over. Raiders are going over. Vegas Pete said, isn't it time for Matthew and Gilmore to – Blank or get off the pot. <laughs> I think the Raiders win 10 to 12 games depending on how the defense plays. Hope is as exciting as last season. Or cocaine. LOL. This is the only show, DeMond. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the text says. I see it. But he also spelled it in a radio-friendly way. You could have said it. What? He He's, said uh, shit. Cocaine. 
Yeah, but I didn't want to slip. <laughs> See how yours, what, you, what you just did? That's a radio veteran right there. I didn't want to make it sound anything close to it because someone people only hear what they want to hear. Like Some, a sheet of paper. Yeah, uh huh. Someone driving right now almost they just pulled over and was like, ooh, Demond just cussed on the radio. I'm calling the FCC right exactly, now. Exactly, exactly. So that hey, a radio veteran tells you just to say blank. Everyone knew what I meant. Everyone knew what I meant. I guess I probably should have said cocaina. Fargo Raiders said, Congratulations to John McClain on his retirement. Love that segment on Tuesday. He sounds like an OG who would chase a beer with the whiskey and tell you to rub some dirt on it. Just win, baby. Yeah, John <laughs> McClain's an OG for sure. <laughs> he sure is. He, Oh, man, he's been doing it for many, many moons. Got a lot of good stories. Uh, Raider Richie from Arizona said, what's up, Q? Sorry my sons put an L on your Warriors. Shout out to CP3 for getting tapped by the president to be an HBCU advisor. I predict an 11-6 record for my Raiders. Let's go Raiders. That's from Raider Richie in Arizona and yeah, man, the Warriors blew that game towards the end of the end of the game. They had it. They got back into it. Too many turnovers. Too many turnovers. But Draymond but, won the war of the internet. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, talking trash yeah, to Jay Crowder. Yeah, I never, I never, I never was a big fan of guys saying, "Oh, you're from this part of town," or "You're, you know," and, "Oh, you're from Buckhead." That's not okay. So what? You know what I mean? Like, what's that mean? He goes out there and whoops your ass. Then what are you gonna say? I just got my ass whooped by a guy from Buckhead. You know, I know it wasn't Bankhead. That's a mistake that we made. <laughs> that was a mistake we made when we went to the the draft in, or the uh, Super Bowl in Atlanta. My man Paul, he he booked us a Airbnb in Bankhead. All I did was laugh while we're driving. We're in the Uber driving to the Bankhead. He said, "What what you laughing for?" I said, "Dog, it says on the wall in spray paint, welcome to Bankhead." What does that mean? I said, "Bankhead, you don't listen to Ti, dog. We are in the hood." <laughs> And the hood we were. We asked every one of our guests that were from the Atlanta area on the show that week. I think Jamal Lewis was the one that really cracked me up, the former running back for the Ravens. He's from Atlanta. And I said, hey, dog, you know we're staying in Bankhead? And he looked at us and said, ooh. <laughs> I mean, he got to chill. You guys are doing bad, bad, huh? Yeah, exactly. Y'all in Bankhead? I mean, really literally, we had a pink daycare across the street from us like it was a really nice house that we were staying in there was a pink daycare across the street there was a house that was condemned over here there was another house that was uh looked like they were trying to put some construction on and then there was a forest that i'd be down if i go into you know what i mean like i ain't going in that forest because I, I who knows that might be where the bodies are buried <laughs> i'm just saying i got time to get to dave b real quick can i get to dave b real quick all right dave b in the 757 you got about 60 seconds welcome to the show Hey, Q. Hey, uh, I had a lot of things to uh, unpack there, but uh, the first thing I'll address, right, obviously over-unders, right? That uh, Raider Nation is just licking their chops right now at 8.5. Come on, right? we got to reasonably expect double-digit wins, right? Yep. Uh, you, you, yep. You, you, can't, you can't get around that given everything that we've done. Um, the real reason for the call is, hey, player evaluations leading up into the draft. I'm just, you know, I wonder what your take is or if you have any intelligence from – the organization about going to handle that, given the fact that we don't have first and second round picks, right? Are we going to spend the time that we would we would spend on players that we know we're not going to get and look for, you know, diamonds in the rough like Nate right. Hobbs or you know Max Crosby? You know, so just your thoughts on how we're going to handle that player evaluation, or if you have any anything from the organization. Over to you. Hey, thanks for the call, man. Good stuff, and that's a great question. I think that everybody. Uh, evaluates even the first-round talent that they know is not going to be there. I think that that's a, a, a job that you have to do just so 
just in case anything happens. You never know what could happen. I think you have to do that evaluation. Now, at the same time, I think they do realize what position they're in, and this is just me talking. This is not anybody in the organization. I think they do realize what position they're in, so they will probably focus on guys that are more realistic to be somewhere near there, but at the same time, you've got to. I mean, it just makes all the sense in the world. You have to be responsible enough to to evaluate everybody, and, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll evaluate them now, and four years from now, they could be a person available in free agency, and then you can say, hey, we like that guy coming out of college, like they said about Rocky Sin the other day. Liked him coming out of Temple. Got a chance to get him. Now we got him. 328 is the time. When we come back, we'll talk all things NFL Draft, and we'll ask Joe DeLeon about that same question, what he thinks. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Been going fast and furious on today's show. A lot of great conversation. Talked a little NFL draft early in the show. Talked some Final Four. Now we're going to dip back into the NFL draft. We're going to do that with Joe DeLeon, host of the FCS Football and NFL Draft Prospects podcast on the Believe Network. And Joe, welcome back to the show. We do appreciate you. And we just had a question from one of our callers that asked about talent evaluation. How do you think those talent evaluations go when you don't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick? Does an organization like the Raiders focus in on guys that realistically have a chance to drop to them, or do they still continue to focus on everybody? Right. I think you want to look at guys that you're going to be grading towards the end of the first round because you, you never know somebody that you have a really high evaluation on that does end up sliding. You want to be prepared for something like that to happen. So certainly all these teams are going to do their homework on everybody. You, you never know also with a team like the Raiders if they want to trade back into the first round. Somebody could be available to them and expecting to fall that maybe they had as a top 10 prospect that falls all the way to 20 or 25, and then they can trade back in. So these teams are doing their homework on everyone. They, they want the opportunity to get really quality players and you're not going to miss out on, on, on doing those evaluations just because you're not going to be picking that highly or in the first round. We know that in New England, Bill Belichick runs the show, but of course he's got a, a, a laundry list of, of guys that, that assist him, like uh, Nick Casario, who's now the GM of the Texans. Of course, Dave Ziegler is now the GM of the Raiders. So it's hard to tell exactly what a guy's style is, but do you have any kind of a sense on what you know to expect from Dave Ziegler as the GM of the Raiders in his first draft where he's actually the guy? Yeah, if you we've got a really good precedent of, of what to expect based on how Bill Belichick has built his teams and, and McDaniels is going to be leading this squad. And you pointed out Casario and what he's done early on to build that Texans team from the ground up. I think what has really built either of those programs is looking for depth, looking for late-round ads, guys that are, are culture fits. You want guys that are, are they're going to want guys that they know are, are going to want to stick around for the long term that aren't going to get into any type of trouble. And we know that that was something that was a concern last year for the Raiders. The amount of guys that they lost because of off-field concerns uh, was catastrophic, and it was right. unexpected. I don't think we've seen anything like that before. So the, the culture fit is definitely big, but uh, you know, ultimately you're, they're going to be going after guys that I think are going to provide them a nice boost offensively uh, and some explosiveness, maybe looking for some additional receivers because outside of Devontae Adams, you're going to need that extra help. 
Right, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Joe DeLeon here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. I wanted to ask you about Champ Kelly as well. He's a guy that you hear nothing but high praises about, and what I keep hearing is that he's a guy that specializes in the draft. Do you have any background on Kelly? Uh, I, I don't have a ton of background on, on Kelly, but uh, I like similar to you, he's got a really strong background in the draft and you know where he's coming from. And, you know, being a guy that I believe is coming from the Bears, uh, mm-hmm. just nothing but or everything but positive things hearing about Champ Kelly coming in the impact that he could possibly have. Hey, Joe, a player that I want to ask about is Tariq Woolen at a UTSA. He ran a four two six at the combine. Do you still think that he could slip to the third round or maybe late second and the Raiders could trade up for him possibly? Yeah, I think Tariq Woolen is a perfect example of, of this class having somebody be overvalued because of what they did at the NFL Combine. Physically, he's a freak, and, and the attention that he's getting is, is deserved. He's six foot four. You talked about that speed, the athleticism. But when you put on the tape, you start to realize that there are some limitations in his game. It's nice having that long speed, but he's somebody who struggles to change direction, as you might expect for a really, really tall, long corner like that. So for him, he's, he's going to be a zone-specific guy. Um, that is going to take a lot of teams off him off their boards because anyone who's looking to, to get man corners, Woolen's not going to really fit that. So I certainly think that he could fit there in round three. I think anything earlier than that is a bit aggressive for, for Tariq Woolen because of that team-specificness that, that teams are going to be looking for him. And I think that uh, the Raiders are going to really be trying to run more of a man scheme under uh, Patrick Graham now. So that, that might not be a very good fit with the Raiders. But sticking, right. with, sticking with corners and safeties, how deep of class is this as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I think that both of those position groups, there is a, a ton of depth for both of them. We're seeing a, a lot of really talented guys at the top, especially at corner, but like a lot of these defensive position groups, there is some really exciting depth that you can pull from. Guys like Kyer Elam from Florida, Roger McCreary uh, from Auburn, uh, Kyler Gordon from Washington, specifically for corners. And then for safeties, I think it's even deeper than this corner class because when you start to get to day two, there's these prospects like Nick Cross, who is a really, really good athlete. Jalen Petrie was a top performer at the Senior Bowl. Verone McKinley from Oregon, uh, he was a Senior Bowl participant. I don't think enough people are talking about what he's capable of being. But then there's even later guys like Bubba Bolden, who, uh, like last year, people were saying if he declared he was an early day two guy, and he kind of falls towards the back end of the safety class just because there's so many talented players. So I think for the sake of the Raiders, and maybe trading back to accumulate as many extra picks as possible. If they want to build out this secondary, this is definitely the year to do it because of the amount of talented players there are at corner and at safety and the depth at both those positions. You know, Joe, Bubba Bolden, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's a Las Vegas guy. Bishop Gorman was the high school that he went to. He went to USC and then Miami as well, but uh, he's a Las Vegas dude. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Bubba Bolden. I, I know that he's a guy, as you mentioned, would have would have probably been drafted a little bit earlier if he had come out earlier, but uh, what are your expectations from him as far as just his overall game? Yeah, Bubba Bolden didn't have it as, as good of a year as he did the previous year when he could have come out and he decides to go back. And I think he was one of those guys that was, Oh, we're going to run it back. We're going to win a national championship. And that's, 
didn't exactly work out for Miami. Right. But I, I think he's a fantastic athlete. He's tall. He's long. Six foot three is really, really nice size uh, for a safety. And he's got that recruiting background of being a, a really highly recruited kid. I just, I think that he hasn't really lived up to those physical traits yet, just yet. But for somebody like him, if you get him early day three, I think that you can hope that he plays up to that, that highly recruited uh, type of a prospect level. And, and that's something that I think a lot of these teams take a look at, these, these top-rated recruits that don't really hit. You're looking at them and saying, like, okay, if we can tap into that potential, we could possibly get ourselves a nice steal. Yeah, Joe, is there any DBs out there that you may think could slip to that third round where the Raiders are picking at, whether it be lack of talent or not being scouted properly? Do you see any diamonds in the rough that could be impact players, maybe not starters, but that you could find in the third round in the defensive backfield? Well, for one, I think Verone McKinley is one guy that I just mentioned uh, that I think is, has just not really gotten a lot of attention because of the talent at the top of the safety class. Uh, there's just so much talent that's going or uh, attention that's going towards Kyle Hamilton that we almost don't even talk about these mid-round guys. But people forget that Verona McKinley had a really, really good start to the season at Oregon. He was the reason why they had that stretch of games where they were so good and they were possibly going to be a college football playoff team was because of that safety pairing that, that Oregon had. And he was just making plays all over the field. He's a smart, high-character kid. And I, I think that Verona McKinley certainly deserves some more recognition. And then another player who, who's getting a little bit more buzz right now is Zion McCollum from Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he went to the, the combine, and I, I admittedly didn't really have super high expectations for him uh, athletically, but he really outperformed what I thought that he was going to do. And he's somebody coming from an FCS program. Those are always going to be considered, in my eyes, uh, maybe some diamonds in the rough, some some players that aren't getting enough attention. But he's a really, really nice athlete. He's got really good size. And I think he's somebody who, end of round three, could, could provide some really nice value for a team like the Raiders. He's a, if I remember correctly, he's a super senior, right? Isn't he like 25? Yeah, the, that's the thing with a lot of these FCS guys is we ha- we do have a ton of super seniors because the FCS, for those that don't know, they didn't play a a fall college football season in uh, in 2020, I believe it was, and they then played in the spring of 2021, and that kind of disrupted a lot of these guys deciding to go back that if they came out or if they tried to transfer, they probably didn't have a lot of options, but because they had that extra period of time to you know, maybe train in their high school gyms and, and in, the, in their garages during the whole COVID period of time, uh, they were able to build themselves up. But, yeah, he's one of those guys that ha- is a little bit older because of uh, having to stick around uh, being at an FCS program and the limitations of that season. Talking all things NFL Draft right now with Joe DeLeon here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You can check out his podcast, FCS Football and NFL Draft Prospects on the Believe Network. My man, Damon Cotton's got a question for you. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to throw three receiver prospects at Uh-oh. you. And, you know, maybe you just Sky Moore. <laughs> Calvin Austin III, and Christian Watson, if you had a pick in, let's say, the late second or third round, these are three different type receivers, but who do you think that you would rate the best player to take, no matter what your scheme is? So first of all, I don't think Christian Watson is going to be there at the end of the second. I think that Christian Watson, the North Dakota State receiver, is the best of the three that you just mentioned. But because of what he's done over this cycle and the attention that he's drawn to himself, I wouldn't be shocked if he's 
like an end of the first round guy, but he's certainly going to be one of the first receivers taken in the second round. He was so good at the senior bowl that drew more attention to him. And then he tests out of the at the, at the combine. And that's enough for him to really, really build up his stock. Some people don't realize with Christian Watson, he's coming from a North Dakota state program that barely threw the ball. He, they didn't really get him a lot of like passing targets. A lot of his touches, they were just scheming him the football, kind of like we, we get with, with Debo Samuel and the, and the 49ers, uh, because they just weren't a throwing team. <laughs> one of their number one options on offense was a fullback. So Christian Watson doesn't have the, the usage that you would hope for in college, but now people are starting to realize that he's capable of being a high-impact receiver. So he probably won't be there. Uh, if I had to pick who realistically would be available at that spot for where the, the Raiders might be picking, Calvin Austin the third from Memphis. Super, super speedy, uh, very, very fast. Loved what I saw from him at the Senior Bowl. You do have to be a little bit concerned because he's under five foot nine, and those guys don't necessarily hit in the NFL. Uh, but I think Sky Moore is also great, too. I, I don't think he's as prized as Dwayne Eskridge was last year, but I, I would put Sky Moore over, or sorry, uh, Calvin Austin over Sky Moore in this situation. Nice. I like All that right, breakdown. <laughs> you got another one for him, Demond? Oh no, that's a, that's it. All right, I did want to ask you. We had a caller hit us up, ask a, about a linebacker, and wanted us to ask uh, about Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Do you have any uh, background? Do you have you done any deep diving on Troy? Oh, I, I've done a ton of deep diving on Troy. Troy Anderson is is one of my favorite players in this class. Mm. So, for those that that don't know, he was uh, originally when he first got to Montana State. They worked him in as a quarterback because they didn't have any options. I think there were some injuries that put him in that situation. So as a freshman, he starts at quarterback. He breaks like the rushing record as a quarterback, and he also, I, I believe it was like the conference offensive player of the year. He, he has just an outstanding season as a quarterback. Then he eventually, I think after a couple of years of doing that, he plays a little bit of running back, and he transitions to linebacker. He's a little green to the position because he's just not used to playing defense, but that understanding of what quarterbacks are looking at and how offensive schemes work, I think really, really helped him. He's still learning how to play the position fully, but you see a guy that is a really, really good athlete. He proved it at the NFL Combine. He moves so fluidly. He has the size that you love for a linebacker, and I think he's probably a couple years away from really hitting what he can possibly be. But, heck, that is somebody I want on special teams. It's kind of like the, the defensive version of Taysom Hill, where you can just put him anywhere. And this dude is relentless. He hits hard. I can put him out there to, uh, to block on kick returns. I can put him out there to block on punt, to chase after uh, punt returners. You can put him on any special team and then gradually start to work him in on defense. Troy Anderson, without a doubt, is, is one of my favorite prospects in this class. All right, just got a couple more questions for you, Joe. Just had my guy Pegleg Raider ask me about Navy linebacker, number 54, Diego Fago. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, the, the deal that we get with these um, Naval Academy guys and these Army guys, it, uh, there's always that – there used to be that concern of if you actually get them to, to play or not right away, and that mm -hmm. kind of hurts their draft stock. But there's a little bit more of an opening, I think, for these, these service academy guys to play. I think Fago is, is a great player. And you know that what you're getting from a service academy guy is going to be super high character. 
Um, uh, to me, probably an undrafted free agent, but is still going to be someone who is going to come in and compete during training camp and at the very least could turn into a practice squad player, or I certainly can see him being like a, a guy who sticks on a roster for a nice period of time because he can contribute on special teams and he knows his role within a team. Right, no, no doubt about it. I definitely appreciate my guy Peg Leg Raider hitting us up for that one. Final question for you. You mentioned him earlier, Jalen Petrie. I wanted to ask you about two Baylor safeties. I used to cover Baylor, uh, Jalen Petrie and JT Woods. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, Petrie was somebody who really flashed at the Senior Bowl, and, and I think that that Petrie has some nice traits to him. He's somebody who's probably going to be um, drafted. Somewhere on day two, I think that the, the way that he's he's trending upwards, uh, you know, so far out the, throughout this process is, is going to put him somewhere there. Who was the other guy that you mentioned? I, oh, I missed who you said. JT Woods. So I'm um, JT Woods. Admittedly, I don't know a, a ton about, but okay. I, I would consider him to be a little bit more of a, an undrafted player, or maybe late and on day three, round seven type guy. But right. you know, certainly a, a quality player from the stuff that I've heard. Yeah, no, no. Petrie was definitely the one that, that shined. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I was just wondering about those guys created a bunch of turnovers for the Baylor Bears. Well, Joe, uh, fantastic stuff, man. We definitely appreciate you as always. And, of course, you can find your podcast, host of the FCS Football and NFL Draft Prospects on the Believe Network. Joe, thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate you, and we look forward to talking to you down the line. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Great stuff right there. Joe DeLeon right there, again, host of the FCS Football and NFL Draft Prospects podcast on the Believe Network. Uh, definitely appreciate his time this afternoon. And lots of good stuff. Uh, thank you, everyone, who, who chimed in on the Salmon Ash text line to ask questions as well. Peg Leg Raider, definitely appreciate you as well. And uh, I had to make sure that I, uh, I got the pronunciation of, uh, of my guy uh, Diego's last name correctly because uh, to mind if I had said it the way that it looks, you would have been hitting the dump button immediately. So definitely glad that uh, Pegleg gave me a little pronunciation guide there. Three forty-eight's the time. You want to take a quick break and then uh, come yes, back? Yes, I close? do. <laughs> you why you didn't even let me finish saying it? All right, we'll take a quick break. Come back, close up shop. This is Red Nation Radio nine twenty. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. <laughs> Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Just got a few minutes left of today's show. Feels weird, man. We've done three hours the last couple days. Feels weird signing off after two hours, right? Man. Where does the time go? Flies by. Earlier today, Caesar Sportsbook put out eight and a half wins is what they believe that the Raiders were going to get in 2022. Last season, they put them at six and a half wins. The Raiders got 10 and went to the playoffs. So we've been asking the question, realistically, how many wins do you think the Raiders will get in 2022? And, of course, it's not even April. The draft hasn't happened. Free agency is not all the way wrapped up. They're not in training camp. They're not, you know, popping pads. They're not doing any of that. So this is just really far out. We haven't even seen the schedule, right? We always go through how many wins they're going to get when the schedule pops. We haven't even got to that. But we're just having a little bit of fun asking a question. Uh, Mike, he tweeted at me and said, I don't see us winning more than six or seven games next year. Fourth best quarterback, fourth best head coach in the West. That's from Mike. And I'm okay with that. I read that tweet because that's what it's all about is whatever your gut feeling is, whatever your feedback is, is good. It doesn't have to be all rainbows and puppy dogs. For the most part, everyone has chimed in and said, 
you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 wins. Mike said six, six or seven wins. He says the Raiders have the fourth best quarterback, fourth best head coach in the West. I don't think I would say, I sure wouldn't say fourth best head coach in the West because I don't know what that guy in Denver is going to do. Nathaniel Hackett's never been a head coach ever, ever. So that goes for something. He, he might end up being, uh, you know, the next Bear Bryant for all I know. He might end up being the most amazing head coach ever, but he has not coached one game yet. So until then, I can't, I can't move him up. I can't move him up past fourth. So he, by default, is at fourth. And then you look at the quarterbacks, and, you know, you have Mahomes. You have Wilson. You have Carr. You have Herbert. And, you know, by the ratings, by looking at the guys, you could say that Carr's the you know fourth best quarterback in the division, and I think everyone's comfortable with that. But that's not. I, it sounds bad, but I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's a bad thing because hell, the quarterbacks are all good. Every one of them is good. It's not like there's some. It's not like Drew Locke is in the division. You know, and then you're like, oh well, hey, you know, Carr's worse than Drew Locke. No, he's not. He's he's a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback that I think that the team could win with, especially the way they got it set up. But I, uh, hey, you know, that's fine. That's the uh, that's the tweet. Mike said six to seven wins for the silver and black. Got a couple text messages I want to get to real quick. Um, where did it go? Here it goes. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&D, how do I feel about eight and a half wins over under for the upcoming season for the Raiders? Honestly, I don't even care. My gut feeling on the wins for our Raiders in 2022 will be 11 plus. I'm not high on candy or whiskey. I truly believe we're a double-digit win team. 11, possibly 12 wins at the end of the regular season. Lock it in. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. So, Instantly, he went from, I don't care, to 11 to 12 wins. So, I don't care. But if I did care, it'd be 11 or 12 wins. That's what it would be. And I'm okay with that. I, I, I said that I think they should win at least 10. I think realistically, you're coming off a 10-win season where you had your back against the wall for the majority of the season. I think you should at least expect. The expectations should at least be 10 wins. And that's not guaranteeing that they're going to make the playoffs. I didn't think 10 wins would make, would make the playoffs last season, but it did. So, who knows how it all shakes out, but... I think that I they know, bet you that one texter that well the, the tweeter. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the opponents for this upcoming season. Yep. And I'm not trying to question his fandom, but to like say six wins, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But not opinions. Not all of them are good ones. <laughs> like, come on. All opinions aren't created equal. Yeah, and I'm trying to say that in a very diplomatic way, you know. So I don't want to bag on him. Thank you for listening. But six wins, come on. I mean, bad seasons happen. You know, blank happens sometimes. You know, and that, that's why we're estimating it right now in, in late March. Anything could happen. Raider Richie in Arizona said, this is a quick question for DeMond. Does he ever come pumped to the station with the Ultimate Warriors theme song? Unstable playing on his AirPods. Is that is that you? He's pumped up right now. He's got the guns out right now. Uh, no, 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 no Ultimate Warrior for me. If it's going to be anything, a wrestling theme? Maybe Dolph Ziggler show the world. I don't know. I don't. I that you lost me. <laughs> you lost me. Wrap it up. Yeah. Hey, in the huddles coming up next, four to six p.m. Vinny Bonsignor in studio right there. Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. He's gonna hold you down, tell you all the stories from his adventures in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I'm sure he's got some really good stories that he hasn't even told me, but he'll tell you next, holding it out for the next two hours. And tomorrow we'll be at the TI, Treasure Island, hold it down from about 2 to 3.30, and then we'll have some women's basketball uh, as the Final Four is going on for the ladies. We'll do all that on Friday as we wrap up the week. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.